Hello, hello, hello. You're listening to Rational Radio here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. Uh, my name's Amelia, and with me in the studio today are Jenny and Valerie. Hey, what's going on? Hi. <laughs> How have you guys' weeks been so far? Not bad. Not bad. Um, you know, we have only have two weeks left, so you just got to grind, but... Um, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. been. Last week was really long, and I feel like I had a thousand deadlines going on. Yeah. So this week it's like the eye of the storm before everything gets crazy again next week. True. Yeah. What's your week like, Valerie? This week is going to be crazy, but I had an internship interview this morning, and me and the Ooh. person connected about the Village Voice, so that was great. Okay. I'm actually, I have a lot to do, but I'm actually kind of excited about one of my research papers. It's about woman in Honduras and the coup that took over and there's like a lot of drama to look up so I'm excited about that even though it's gonna kill me that sounds really interesting look at you making power moves this week wow I'm proud it's like a bold flex but we're doing it anyway (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so I guess we'll just jump right into it and stop beating around the bush because there's been so many things developing in the past few days like since the end of last week And we have so much to catch you guys up on. So Valerie's got the first story for us. Yeah. So this is a very tragic story. I don't know if anybody else has heard. Suicide bombers targeted churches and tourism spots in Sri Lanka on Easter Sunday. And our sources are coming from the New York Times and CBS News. So just to give you some background, on Sunday morning, the first suicide bomber released an explosion into a church during service in Colombo, which is the capital city of Sri Lanka. Just a few minutes later, another suicide bombing blasted at Shangri-La Hotel's Table One restaurant, which generally many tourists go to and people were having brunch there. Then more suicide bombings hit three Catholic churches and three high-scale hotels. The death toll right now is at 290 people, with 500 others wounded by the attacks. At least 39 foreigners were killed. The attacks took place in the capital, as I said before, Colombo, and the cities of Nagumbo and Batacaloa. The bombings are said to be the deadliest attack on Christians in South Asia in recent history. 24 people have been arrested in connection with these attacks. In Colombo, a dusk-to-dawn curfew was enforced on Sunday night, and then it was enforced again today because in Colombo they had their night a few hours ago. It's about 1 a.m. right now or 2 a.m. St. Anthony's Shrine, the Kingsbury Hotel, the Cinnamon Grand Hotel, and the Shangri-La Hotel were targeted. A bit later, there were explosions at a smaller hotel and a private house in Colombo. There has been an increasing trend of religious-based violence in South Asia. Today, the Sri Lanka government announced that they determined the national Thawid Jamath, a radical group in South Asia, carried out the attacks. So the national Thawid Jamath, the worst thing they had had a reputation for prior to these attacks was vandalizing Buddhist statues, and they had little history of terrorism. So this is really unusual. According to Rajitha Senaratane, the Sri Lankan health minister, I'm so sorry if I just butchered that, there was an international network without, quote, there was an international network 
without which these attacks could not have succeeded. He claimed they received help from an international terrorist organization. Sanaratne said that there had been warnings of this attack as early as April 4th. Ten days prior to the attacks, a Sri Lankan police officer warned security forces that there were going to be attacks against churches and that they were being planned by a radical Islam Islamist group. And even in this letter, the Sri Lankan police official named National Thawid Thawid Jamaf in the letter. The security forces took no action, and it is unclear whether other security agent, agents took precaution. The Prime Minister, Ronald Wicking Remings, said that said that he and his cabinet were not warned about the attacks or informed that there was a warning. There was failure in communications due to political tensions. And something that I noticed is that last year there was a struggle between the defense minister, President uh, Maithri Paulus Sirisensa and Wick Remings Wick Remsing, the current prime minister, over who was the rightful prime minister since Siri Sensa had appointed a different candidate as prime minister in October, but then dissolved the Siri Lankan parliament after he did not get a vote in favor of putting his candidate into the prime minister's office. The Siri Lankan Supreme Court ruled that Siri Sensa's dissolution of parliament was unconstitutional and legally recognized Wick Reming Singh as the Prime Minister. So there was clearly tensions between the Defense and Security Unit and the Prime Minister Unit. Um, some questions for you guys. This goes along with the tragic trend we've discussed here on Rational of attacks on churches. What do you think of this be as a being as a global occurrence? Um, I think that it's a very, very unfortunate trend, and I hope that the violence can stop. Um, but I think I think it points to a larger issue that global terrorist networks are not gone, and they yeah. are still here. And I think that um, you know we can't get too comfortable, even though nothing uh, thankfully has happened in the United States. That doesn't mean they're they're gone. They're still here. They're in hiding. They're planning so i i think it's always better to be prepared and follow your gut instinct because um that one police officer he he gave tips in of saying hey like something probably isn't right like you know heads up mm -hmm. and no one listened and no one wanted to you know take it seriously and i think that's a i think that's a real shame because this man was trying to you know save you know he was trying to give his country a heads up and they didn't even listen and I think something interesting with this case, too, is that no one, at least like according to the New York Times article that I read about this this morning, no one has stepped up and taken ownership of this yet. So the Sri Lankan government is saying that it's this Islamist terrorist group, but we don't. Normally, I feel like terrorist groups in these situations like take ownership of their actions because they want to have that publicity associated and like the media attention with their name because that's how they gain prominence. Mm -hmm. But no one's done that yet. 
And so I don't know if this is because this is a more local group mm. instead of like one of the international names that we're more like sadly and tragically more familiar with at this point. But I just thought it was interesting, I guess, because even if they are a smaller group, I guess I would expect them to try to take credit for it because that would get them more prominence in like the global spectrum instead of just like um, the Sri Lankan community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. definitely. And why do you guys think that religious sanctuaries such as, you know, the attacks on the Christchurch mosques are taking place? Why are these religious places being attacked? Well, I mean, I think for this one especially, like, from what I was reading about it earlier, too, like, they were specifically targeting the Christian minority in Sri Lanka. And so I think targeting three churches and three hotels in dominantly Christian areas in Sri Lanka were a very on Easter were a very big like in like a very big and in your face way for this group if it was them to um go ahead and target the Christian community in Sri Lanka. Mm-hmm. I agree and I think it's such a problem that like it, we're we are so familiar with this you know yeah. it's uh, like unfortunately um the death toll is so high and we haven't seen that in the united states in a very long time thankfully but at the end of the day people go there to worship you know uh, it shouldn't be a place for bloodshed and mass um you know mass destruction like that and i think it does just incite fear it makes people not want to practice their religion it makes people not want to you know outwardly say like i'm muslim or i'm i'm christian or whatever else it could be and Mm -hmm. i think it's i think it's a real shame because religion is what brings people together like i'm personally not religious but i can i can you know recognize what religion means to so many people and for that to just be torn down and to be completely like mutilated is a real shame Mm -hmm. especially on such holy days like right. Easter, because I'm not I don't practice any religion but I can recognize the significance of that historically mm-hmm. and what it means to people who do practice that faith mm-hmm. and so to have something that's so sacred and so fundamentally intertwined with what your religion stands for be targeted like that I can't imagine the pain that must be associated with that now yeah and I think it's I think that also goes back to the planning of it mm-hmm. because you know this was a very well thought out attack. Yeah. They knew that they were going to cause as much damage as they possibly could mm-hmm. with the time that it happened and the day. Easter Sunday is for Catholics or like anyone who celebrates Easter. That's one of that's, the, the that's most one of the most holy days of the year, of the year for the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Like it's a Yeah, it's, it's the whole so, week. Mm-hmm. And then I think that you know the fact that um it was coordinated within so many different cities all at once uh, right around the time that people were going into the actual services yeah. so this was a thought out attack like they they planned all the steps they looked at all the cause and effects like they they knew exactly what they were doing to cause as much damage as possible and i think i think it's really it's really it's really scary you know if if i'm going to be honest because you you never know when something like that's going to come and God forbid that doesn't ever happen in the United States, but it still happens in other places around the world. And, and it's sad too because they did know that this was coming. Though, right, the exactly. But they, they didn't knew even believe it. They didn't act. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the U.S. has made that same mistake. So I don't want to take a holier than thou exactly. approach to it or anything like that. But I mean, there's 
if this is the precedent that we're setting, that we're going to ignore these threats when we see them, then that's also a problem. And so although I can't necessarily like sit here and judge them for not listening to it, I also can't like sympathize with it. You know what I mean? I agree. I think that you are right. The United States has had um, issues in the past, like with 9-11. Um, some of the terrorists that were involved in 9-11 were on the terrorist watch list. Mm-hmm. But somehow they were still able to get into the country and able to do that awful thing that has been ingrained in our heads since you know it happened and i i think that is going to be that this event in sri lanka has turned out to be just a very black spot in in their history um but hopefully they can you know rebuild hopefully they can find all the loved ones who are missing and hopefully the toll the death toll stays at what it is and doesn't climb higher yeah hopefully they can provide emotional support for these right for whatever they must be going through right now yeah because that's nearly 800 people physically impacted if you count the death toll too so then you can only imagine who else is emotionally traumatized also they named the individuals and their addresses in the letter which the sri lankan police official warned security forces with so i think that they could have gone and detained those people immediately once they found that um, and they did not. What was comforting, though, is that um, everyone in the international community acted so quickly because mm-hmm. sometimes you see with a lot of countries that aren't in the United States' primary interest that it kind of gets swept under the rug. Um, so I'm glad that this story has made an impact on people. And, and like, even within the Sri Lankan government, once it started happening, like, they did react pretty quickly. Yeah. Like they turned, yeah. they put the whole country on lockdown in a national They shut off of social media. And also, um, this, by putting it in a state of, na- like, a national state of emergency that allowed police officers and other investigators to go and make arrests without court orders. So right. they, that's how they were able to arrest the 24 people mm-hmm. so quickly. Right. And so they, they also- did take actions to address this once they realized that what was happening. And they're still going on lockdown tonight, I think is what you said mm-hmm. in, the, in yeah. the rundown. They have a curfew. So also. like, yeah. So it's like there are actions being taken to address it, to address it. But I think the thing I have problems with is that we didn't see these actions as taken as precautionary measures, too. Right. Like to prevent it from happening yeah. in the first place. Yeah. I, I have an issue with, you know, why didn't anybody do anything? Mm-hmm. to prevent it because obviously like we said in the in the rundown that um people were aware that there could be a threat but nobody did anything so my question is why did nobody do anything like how did it sweep through so many different people without any cause for serious inquiry mm-hmm. yeah. and since and- on that note, we do need to head to our first commercial break. So stick around. I think we're going to move back to a little bit more local politics, hopefully less tragedy. Um, but yeah, uh, we'll be catching you guys in a little bit. From WHIP News, I'm Alicia Bonney. Today is Monday, April 22nd, and this is your WHIP News Update. Senator Elizabeth Warren proposed eliminating the student loan debts of tens of millions of Americans and making all public colleges tuition-free. According to CNN, student debt and college affordability have become a key dividing line in the Democratic race for the 2020 presidency. Warren's new plan would forgive $50,000 in student loans for Americans and households earning less than 100 grand a year. According to analysis provided by her campaign, that would provide immediate relief to more than 95% of the 45 million Americans with student debt. 
Folks jumped into action after a woman drove her SUV into the Schuylkill River on Sunday. According to 6ABC, police have not said if this was accidental or intentional, but witnesses said the driver deliberately drove into the river. Emergency crews were called just before 4 p.m. to Kelly Drive near Midvale Avenue in Fairmount Park. When they arrived, the vehicle was already in the water. Witnesses said some people along the river jumped into the water and helped rescue the woman. A dragon boat rowing by scooped up the female driver and the Good Samaritans and took them to the shoreline. From WHIP News, I'm Alicia Bonnie, and this has been your WHIP News Update. We are back. You're listening to Rational Radio here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. So before the break, we were talking about the tragedy in Sri Lanka with the suicide bombings. And we're going to completely shift gears now. And we're going to head back to some U.S. news for you guys. So this one is coming at you from the New York Times. Um, the Supreme Court is to decide whether bias laws cover gay and transgender workers. So the Supreme Court announced today that it will decide whether a federal law prohibits employers from discriminating against gay and transgender workers. As of right now, Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 forbids employers from discriminating on the basis of sex. The Supreme Court must now decide if that language encompasses sexual and gender orientation. Um, most federal appeals courts have actually interpreted the law to exclude sexual orientation discrimination, but two, um, one in New York and one in Chicago, have recently issued decisions ruling that discrimination against gay men and lesbians is a form of, dis- of sex discrimination. Um, so the Supreme Court agreed to hear two cases regarding this issue. One of them is the case from New York that um, the appeals court um did agree with saying um, it's Altitude Express versus Zarda and the other case that they'll be hearing is Bostock versus Clayton County Georgia which is from Georgia they came to the opposite conclusion so it's going to be interesting to see how these play out in court Um, in Altitude Express versus Zarda a New York skydiving instructor says that he was fired because he's gay The United States Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit concluded that, quote, sexual orientation discrimination is motivated at least in part by sex and is thus a subject of is thus a subset of sex discrimination. Um, In Bostock versus Clinton County, Georgia, a child welfare services coordinator says he was fired because he's gay. The 11th Circuit in Atlanta ruled against him in a short unsigned opinion that cited a 1979 decision that had ruled that, quote, discharge for homosexuality is not prohibited by Title VII. The justices have also agreed to make a decision on whether Title VII bars employment discrimination against transgender people through hearing the case R.G. and G.R. Harris Funeral Homes v. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Um, This case concerns Amy Stevens, who was fired from a Michigan funeral home after she announced that she was a transgender woman and would start working in women's clothes. She sued and won in the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth uh, Sixth Circuit in Cincinnati. Discrimination against transgender people, the court ruled, was barred by Title VII. Um, They said in the opinion, quote, It is analytically impossible to fire an employee based on that, uh, based on that employee's status as a transgender person without being motivated, at least in part, by the employee's sex. Discrimination because of sex inherently includes discrimination against employees because of a change in their sex. 
Additionally, the New York Times thinks Stevens may win this case, how, um, however, however, SCOTUS rules on this because of a second issue in her case. In 1989, the court had said that discrimination against workers because they did not conform to a gender stereotype was a form of sex discrimination. The Sixth Circuit ruled for Stevens on the ground, too, saying that she had been fired for, quote, wishing to appear or behave in a matter that contradicts the funeral home's perception of how she should behave or appear based on her sex. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission has said that Title VII bars discrimination against gay and transgender people. In recent briefs, the Trump administration has taken the opposite position. So, um, I guess my big question for you guys after hearing about all of this was, do you think that there's a chance that the Supreme Court will set a precedent saying that these bias laws don't include the LGBT community? Um, the only thing, the only thing that would say, that would make me say yes to this is because of, uh, the way that the Supreme Court is, um, balanced out because there's mm-hmm. five, um, more conservative justices and only four more liberal justices with the addition to justice brett kavanaugh right so i think unfortunately um the supreme court will um say these laws do not include the lgbt community the lgbt community however i personally think that um i personally think that it should include because firing someone because of their appearance like if you know firing someone because they identify as a male but when like if they're like if they're transgender or if they're gay or lesbian i don't i don't understand why that should you know make them get fired yeah that was worded really really weird (laughs) yeah i agree i think that they will not include the lgbt community i think that's that's too much of a dream for this current um court you know it's there are a lot of conservative justices and i think that they would not make that connection to how um discrimination based on gender and sexual orientation is based on sex which i agree with you jenny i think that any like any presumption that anybody has about somebody and how they should be for example if um for amy stevenson for amy stevens um yes amy stevens they fired her because they thought oh well you were born a man so you should be a man and that is on the basis of sex part of title seven and so i think it directly connect gender and sexual discrimination like is directly connected to title seven but i feel like the current um justices would not extend that to the lgbtq Q community. I'm also curious as to how they would argue that it wouldn't be covered under, like, um, in in terms of Stephen's case, how uh, the Title Seven wouldn't be covered for transgender workers because yeah, exactly. I I don't I I'm curious as to hear how they would argue that because how would it not be based under sex exactly like it's like i mean of course there's no precedent so we don't really know and yet. i guess it must have to do something with the difference between sex and gender just that's like true that biological versus social construct definition but still like i feel like it's such a gray area yeah it shouldn't be able to make such 
a such a distinct deci- uh, decision on it. Yeah. Also, if you're going to protect your citizens from sex discrimination, why wouldn't you have the intentions to protect them from gender discriminations? Because uh, although sex and gender aren't the same thing, they kind of are with discrimination. So mm. I I think that that law was just made at a time when gender wasn't really considered to be different from sex and it's just a little bit outdated and I think that it's time that it gets amended and gender gets added into the equation. I agree because uh, it was made in 1989. Um, The precedent was in 1989 Mm -hmm. for Stevens' uh, case, but now it's 2019. You know, th- there's so many things that are different in, what is that, 30 years? I can't yeah. do math. 30 years, yeah. right? 30 years so many can change in 30 years in terms of the law, the court, um, social attitudes that I don't think it's okay at this point in 2019 to, like, to use a 1989 precedent. And it's like n- Title Seven itself comes from the 1964 Civil Rights Act. Right. Which is even older. Which is, So it's like if we're yeah. going to so radically as a society progress to encompass these different definitions, then we need to make sure that whatever legal precedents that we're referencing also adapt with us. Because I think that we've absolutely progressed in the right direction, but it, we're only going to be held back if our, if our, like the, if, the if we can't itself, change the laws. Yeah. I agree. And I think it's, it is going to be interesting at the end of the day because of the Supreme Court, the way it's balanced. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that all plays out. RBG, going back to her original on the basis of sex yeah. law. Yeah. Seriously. We'll see what she says. Seriously. That'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, we got a little bit of more news coming at you about some court decisions. So this is coming to you from ABC News. A court denies Chelsea Manning's release. So a federal appeals court rejected an appeal made by Chelsea Manning, a former Army intelligence analyst, that would release her from prison following her denial to testify to a grand jury. Manning was involved in a WikiLeaks scandal where she is charged with leaking military and diplomatic documents to WikiLeaks. She was charged under President Obama to serve a 35-year sentence. Uh, Manning and her attorneys claim that she was wrongly found in contempt in, um, in contempt in civil court. They also argue that she told authorities everything she knew during the investigation and that her incarceration has been especially cruel because the jail is unable to provide adequate care for her since she had gender reassignment surgery. Uh, prosecutors say the information that Manning leaked and con- uh, contained one of the most compromising amounts of classified information in U.S. history. So, thoughts? I think that they could definitely find adequate care for her, and that is just a loophole for cruel and unusual punishment. In terms of what do you... That's my thoughts. Can you you clarify on that? Yeah, sorry. Um, So since she has been... Since her incarceration has been especially cruel, and it says because the jail is unable to provide adequate care for her, I think that they can provide adequate care for her. She's a woman. She can go to the normal jail in which women who have her charges can go. Well, it's interesting because in the article, um, that that whole argument was Manning's argument. But further down um, in the article, it says that a, uh, the prosecutors looked into, you know, her, her um like filing like mm-hmm. what her claim was and they made adequate finding that 
the hospital or the jail does have plenty of things in place to help her with her um you know care as a transgender woman Mm -hmm. so i i agree i think this is just i think manny is using this as a loophole because she doesn't want to serve her 30 years 35 year sentence um but she also is i'm pretty sure she she's like nine years into her sentence yeah i think it's um i think this are this article is saying seven seven so, so she's like, that's very significant she's seven years into her 35 year sentence and she's trying to get released on the basis of um on the basis of something as not minuscule but in the larger scheme of things something as minuscule as not having the right care if anything they would just transfer her to a different facility mm-hmm. i don't know how she's gonna you know try and weasel her way out of a 35-year sentence, especially for something as big as treason. Like, yeah. Yeah. what she did, like, I was reading through the actual, like, WikiLeaks, um, like, charge, and it's it's a lot. It's intense. Like, she, she leaked, like, some very high-profile classified information. And it's, like, it's, like, it's kind of crazy mm-hmm. how much, like, she got away with until she was you know charged so i i really am intrigued to see if this goes anywhere because i wanted to figure out how she would actually get away with get away with it you know what i mean yeah and also like i think too with all the with everything going on with the miller with the Mueller report right now yeah like i don't want to set that precedent of like letting people like you know like what you said like it's not a minuscule minuscule reason to get out but it's certainly not as big as it could be in comparison to what her what she's being sentenced for right and so like i'm i don't want that to set any form of precedent in terms of the sentences for the Mueller investigation i agree and i i just think it's i think it's kind of funny honestly like of course of course it's like the the topic of leaking classified information is not funny it's very dangerous um as i know we as journalists know how dangerous it can be but at the end of the day like i just i'm i don't understand how she can make a strong enough argument to get her completely out of jail like get out of free jail cards get out of jail free cards like don't exist you know like Mm -hmm. that's not a thing Mm -hmm. so unless she wants to be transferred to another facility that in her claim has a better medical um team and staff to help her with her transgender identity i i don't know how that would um play out Mm -hmm. and like also this is not to reduce any of what she's going through right of course let's just make that disclaimer right right now because i'm sure emotionally that must be taking such a toll on her right now right and it must be making an already hard sentence to be serving even more difficult yeah. so i don't want to diminish that in any way shape or form yeah but in the and like act like we don't care about that because i can absolutely like i can sympathize with that absolutely. oh of course yeah but i think just in comparison to a treason charge like it's definitely yeah especially also because the prosecutors looked thoroughly into her claims yeah and they found no such evidence for lack of care so I think she's kind of just like either making it up or really milking because we know, um, unfortunately, um, the prison systems in the United States don't always have the best medical care. They don't always have the best conditions. But at the end of the day, like, I don't know if that is on the same level of treason. 
Yeah. So we just want to make that disclaimer real quick. But we do yeah. have to go and get ready to take our second commercial break. So when we come back, we've been kind of scratching around it all day. But we're going to dive into the Mueller report and some new developments that have been made in the, in the last, like, I think just today, actually. So that should be interesting. So stick around, guys. It's half past the top of the hour, and here's your WHIP Sports Update. Hey sports fans, I'm Dom Gillespie and this is your sports update for April 19th, 2019. Playoff basketball was in full swing last night with the Sixers beating the Nets, the Spurs beating the Nuggets, and the Warriors beating the Clippers. The 76ers were without Joel Embiid, traveling to the Barkley Center and put on a show, beating the Nets by a score of 131 to 115. After hearing some negative comments from Jared Dudley, Ben Simmons took control and posted a game-high 31 points. The Sixers' next game is tomorrow at 3 p.m. The Phillies dropped a rough one to the Rockies last night, losing 6-2. Our only runs coming from a JT Ramuto home run. More bullpen struggles coming from the Phillies so far this season. Craig Krimble is still on the market, and a lot of fans think now is the time. The Phillies take on the Rockies tonight at 8.40. Today's weather on Broad Street will be partly rainy, with a high of 75 and a low of 68. With reports half past each hour, this has been Dom Gillespie reporting for WHIP Radio, Philly's number one college radio station. And we are back. You're listening to Rational Radio here on WHIP, Philly's number one college radio station. I'm still Amelia. I'm still with Jenny and Valerie. You guys know the deal. It's a normal Monday crew at this point. Um, So before the break, we were talking about some developments with some new SCOTUS cases. I keep saying SCOTUS. It's Supreme Court of the United States. I'm sorry. I'm kind of trash. Um, And (laughs) we were also talking about some developments with Chelsea Manning's case. Um, And so now... We've been skirting around it for the last little bit. I know if you guys listened to Rational on Friday, they spent the entire show discussing the Mueller report. Um, This isn't specifically about the Mueller report, but it came to light because of the Mueller report, and it's important to talk about. So it's about the man of the hour, Trump himself. So according to, this is coming to you from CNN, uh, Trump is suing Um, some House Democrats to prevent them from obtaining his financial records. So President Trump is filing a lawsuit to block the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee from subpoenaing his financial information from Mazars, which is an accounting firm that once prepared several years worth of his financial statements. Um, This is the first time that Trump has tried to sue to hinder Democrats' investigation of him. I'm kind of surprised by that at this point. I'm surprised it took him this long. Um, This lawsuit is most likely only the beginning of this battle. Uh, The lawsuit specifically targets the chairman of the committee, Maryland's Democratic Representative Elijah Cummings, and to prevent him from obtaining 10 years' worth of Trump's financial statements. Um... Trump's lawyers believe Cummings didn't have the constitutional authority to order this subpoena. The filing accuses Democrats of being, quote, singularly obsessed with finding something they can use to damage the president politically. Cummings dismissed the legal complaint as reading, quote, more like political talking points than a reasoned legal brief and said it contains, quote, a litany of inaccurate information. Mazars has declined to comment on the situation, but Trump Organization General Counsel Alan Garden uh, called the subpoena to Mazars, quote, an unprecedented overreach of congressional authority. 
In response to the redacted Mueller report dropping on Thursday, Democrats have begun increasing their efforts to investigate Trump's finances. So this isn't the only subpoena in the House right now. There's like four other things going on at once with different committees. So in addition to the House Oversight Committee's subpoena to Mazars, the House Intelligence and Financial Services panels have subpoenaed nine financial, uh, nine financial institutions as part of an investigation into Trump's finances. The House Judiciary Committee has issued a subpoena for special counsel Robert Mueller's unredacted report and underlying evidence, and Chairman Jerry Nadler of New York has said he will go to court to obtain those records. And in addition to all of this, the House Ways and Means Chairman Richard Neal, who has requested six years worth of the president's personal and business tax returns, is gearing up for a prolonged legal battle for the tax information if the Department of Treasury if the Department of Treasury does not comply by the April twenty third deadline. So that's tomorrow. Um, that's creeping up. This uh, this specific subpoena for um, Mazars and the subsequent lawsuit came to light because of testimony from the Mueller report. Uh, former Trump attorney Michael Cohen provided the House Oversight Committee with three years worth of Trump's financial statements from 2011 to 2013, which were prepared by Mazars. Uh, Cohen accused Trump of inflating his net worth in the financial statements while he was trying to purchase the Buffalo Bills football team. So... Um, the first thing that kind of popped into mind with this is that Democrats say that they're willing to go to court over these subpoenas. This goes against most of the historical trends regarding these situations of like showdowns between the legislative and executive branches because these battles never like they rarely go to court. And they've been there have been a couple examples in recent years. Like there was one in 2012 and I think there was another in 2017 involving fusion, if I have my facts right. But um, how do you think that this new precedent of like these legal battles becoming more common could affect like future generations with this? I think it could make things very petty um, because people are just attacking each other legally. And I think that it can make things slower. But at the same time, then it could also provide a chance for regulation. So now, you know, maybe in the future we will need somebody to return their tax returns really and it will be really significant. So all of these legal precedents can be good to provide regulation on people. I think it's a problem when you talk about precedents with uh, the current administration because there are so many things that have been unprecedented yes. with this with this presidency. And I think that this is just adding another one to the list. And I do agree with you, Valerie. I think it comes to a point in time where it it's just going to be a battle over like, you know, like tug of war. You know, mm-hmm. like you're not going to give it. Okay, well, I'm going to ask for it, and you're not going to give it. I'm like, it's it's going to keep going back and forth, and I think it's just going to make everything so much more, you know, muddled and confusing to the general public. But I think that I don't know if the Democrats are wrong in subpoenaing these documents because there's, you can tell in his rhetoric and in his attitude over his um, Trump's, you know. Uh, past three years in office that there's a there's a very strong reason why he doesn't want his financial statements out there Mm -hmm. and it's not just it's not just the general oh like i don't want the public to know my private information he doesn't care about that you know there's clearly something deeper and um you know a lot more long-standing that he's trying to protect himself from and i i think it's gonna be really interesting like i'm very excited (laughs) to see you know how it all plays out but i think it's such a problem also because Trump and his administration get get so many outside people involved 
like we saw from the beginning of his presidency to now how, the amount of people who you know resigned or fought on his behalf and got arrested <laughs> michael cohen like it, it's like yeah. it, there's so many people that get involved like and it just snowballs out of control mm-hmm. so i think it's I think that maybe having these things go to the courts and having this, you know, face-off can lessen the impact that it has with so many people because at the end of the day, it's a problem between Trump, his closest advisors, and the law. Yeah. You know, I I think it's having all these different people weigh in, like Rudy Giuliani, as we talked during (laughs) during the break. We we heard a lot from Rudy Giuliani um, over the, the past few years, and I just think everyone's giving their own opinions, and where are the facts like the facts are so muddled and we don't even even with this report like the, all the redacted information we still don't know exactly concrete what happened what you know what went down so mm-hmm. there's a lot to come in the future because <laughs> there are like amelia said you there's so many um cases happening simultaneously yeah, so like you don't so know where to look you, you don't know right where to look it's like you're watching like espn and there's like five screens up at once yeah. like do i look over here do i look at you know it's all over the place no it's it's ridiculous um do you guys think that this lawsuit is going to end up hurting trump more than helping him then yes oh yeah. i think i do too i think i, I think he's clarify. gonna i think eventually he's gonna be charged with obstruction of justice because he's trying to charge the democratic party but we have as, to wait. as a way to um deflect the attention off of him but it's like he's biding his time now because he can't be charged yeah. while he's sitting president. That's true. So it's either we're waiting for that impeachment or like and for him to step down or we're waiting for his term to end. That's and true. It's like I feel like he's just seeing now in that time period how many people can he continue to use as a shield <laughs> yeah. so that way when that time does come when he's no longer the sitting president it's like we for as many people that he throws in front of mm-hmm. him now like we have to untangle all of that later before we can get back to him. Right. So it feels just like he's like weaving a spider's web. I right agree. Now, I almost. feel like he's just treading water at this point. Like he's doing anything in his power to just not get caught. <laughs> I just don't see why he wouldn't understand that this will end up just like the wall. It will just it's not going to go through his lawsuit. Mm-hmm. I doubt it. And you know, the wall, it isn't going to go through. There are themes of this presidency that we have been talking about since you know, he ran for the campaign um in 2016 and just nothing's been done about it and it's just been like media talk um you I know i think if nothing else like with this one specifically that's exactly what he wants like he wants the talk surrounding it because if there's talk and controversy then action can't be taken i think also he can rally his supporters around oh i'm being framed mm-hmm. you know i was watching a lot over easter sunday yesterday about um all the interviews between rudy giuliani and all of the people within his administration and everyone just keeps going back to deflection so i think yeah. that i think that he's oh gosh i, I don't need oh my gosh and it's I, all the same rhetoric being used it, too, it's the way that he's addressing it's a it. broken record and it's like we've i i feel like we've heard carbon copies of these statements over and over again at this point yeah and it's like there's nothing i'm not surprised by his reaction at all or any of his representatives reactions because it feels like it feels like it's just um like one of those robots that's just like has the same three lines yes. that's repeating yeah. over and over. 
I think yeah. it's a problem just because like so many of his supporters are gonna rally around the fact that oh he's being framed like this isn't this isn't true like everyone around him was bad not him you know what I mean yeah. like mm, okay but even if that is true then he's still the face it's of still, this entire that, that's the platform supporting exactly him. Mm-hmm. exactly and I think it's gonna be interesting if he is even able to run for a second term <laughs> if I mean the, he's already started and he's already raising like significant funds for it too which yeah is interesting. He like he in the last fundraising quarter, I think he raised more than most of the, like than a majority of the Democrats, which is kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's really interesting to see if the Republican Party actually rallies behind him because if they don't, then that just means a fractured Republican Party, which yeah. is which is a whole other rabbit hole we could go we could mm-hmm. go into, you know. Um, so there's there's a lot to come. <laughs> yes, there is. There's a what, lot. It'll especially it'll especially be interesting to see how spicy things get with the Mueller report coming about, and if if the House um if the House Judiciary Committee is in some way able to subpoena the full report without the redactions. I think it's going to be kind of dangerous if the House is able to get the full report without the re- redactions because some of that information, like we went over the other week, um. Yeah is used for to protect people that are just everyday people you know Mm -hmm. what i mean so even if the judiciary committee is able to get the full report unredacted hopefully they don't get it leashed to the public because there's some information that's very sensitive you know to the general public yeah i hope because like i think that that's one of those things where it's it's if they do manage to subpoena it and it's contingent upon that right so it'll be interesting that's for sure and um yeah i'm just kind of like I guess the thing that surprised me about this is that I'm not surprised that he's going for a lawsuit. I think it's funny. Like, I honestly read it and kind of laughed. She's yeah, like, like, what else do you expect? I like, feel like I'm watching a tennis match or something. I feel like I'm mean? watching, like, a, a soap opera. You yeah, know, honestly, like way. a telenovela. I'm just like, okay, like, what's next? <laughs> Definitely. And I think that the whole issue with the Mueller report is that there's so many, as you were saying before, Amelia, there are so many other people being thrown under the bus in front of Trump. So I think... And as you said before, Jenny, I think he will. Yeah, he did obstruct the law, in my opinion. And I think but I think that he has so many other players distracting people in front of him. Yeah. Oh, man. If you ever get a chance to read the full report, it's like it's a novel. It's like 800 pages. It's like 400. It's 440, I think. Really? That's that's not bad. (laughs) It's bad. But from what I've My heard, though... My favorite thing that lets come out of it is that one Twitter thread where they compare people's dresses on the red carpet to redacted pages from stop, the report. Stop. Where it's, like, different, like, white and black striped dresses. Oh, my God. If you guys haven't seen that yet, highly recommend. That's oh so funny. It's wild. Um, well, apparently the actual full report reads pretty easy for, like, layman's terms. Yeah. You know, if you're not a journalist, if you're not super involved in politics, you could pretty easily from what i understand read it and understand what's happening and if you guys do want um like a guided walkthrough of it make sure that you check out the podcast from friday's rational because i know tony went very he made a very in-depth summary Mm -hmm. about it and he's like a political science major too so he knows what he's talking about and he has that understanding of like the legal background of everything so um and also check out this week's episode of the crackdown because this is all we talked about this week Mm -hmm. and it's like a pretty comprehensive summary so, um, yeah, if you need to catch up with the Mueller report, definitely recommend those two resources. You can find them on YouTube and Spotify. Shameless plug. Yeah, shameless plug right there. It is not even the end of the show. Wow. Who yeah. knew? But, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess just, like, 
I'm curious to see how this will continue to develop in the coming weeks and whether we're actually going to see everything materialize with this lawsuit. My prediction, honestly, is that he's going to eventually be charged with obstruction of justice for this Mm-hmm. lawsuit because like i i feel like this lawsuit um has no basic legal foundation because he's just trying to i feel like he's just doing it as a scare tactic yeah you know because i think that I, he is someone who is very powerful has a lot of money has a lot of connections so i think that his his like threatening to do a lawsuit or an actual lawsuit will scare people into you know bowing to him yeah, that is a very good point to end on. So on that note, guys, we do need to get ready to head out of here. So as always, thank you so much for listening to Rational um, Rational Radio. Um, if you guys want to hear any more from us, make sure that you check out the shows on Wednesday and Friday. We're getting to the end of the semester. Like, this is going to be one of your last chances to hear us for the next little bit. So make sure you tune in. Same time, same place. If you want even more content from the news department, make sure that you listen to The District on Tuesday and Thursdays at 7 and the same place. You can hear Jenny tomorrow night. It'll be pretty great. Um, Also, if you can't catch any of those times, make sure you listen to the podcasts of each show. They are on Spotify. Um, We already talked about the crackdown from this week. You guys know that we love it. So make sure that you check it out. And yeah, I think that's that's all we got for you guys today. So hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next time. Come